Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hello, spooky friends. Welcome back to your weekly dose of horror. Join me, Blair Bathory, your trusted narrator, as I share some of the scariest stories I could find. Be fearful, but never fear that I am here for you. As the leaves die and fall off the trees, and the crisp, cool air sets into our bones, we know that winter is coming. The world becomes more quiet, and we bundle up in our homes. But while we're inside, evil creatures that thrive in the frigid cold come out to play. And if you're out there too, It might be the last winter you see. First, the lesser of two evils, followed by a deadly discovery. Then, run for your life. Finally, in our featured story, a horror forgotten. Before we get started, have you checked out our merch? We have some super cool cozy hoodies, and we have a writer's and artist journal. Check it out at somethingscary.com. There is 20% off at checkout through December 15th, and they make great holiday gifts. Just saying. So, want to hear something scary? Winter is coming. One person's deadly monster may become another's protector. Like in this story inspired by R.P. Shade. I've never minded the snow, or the cold for that matter. Growing up in the Canadian mountains, it was always freezing, so I'm used to it. People had expressed concern for me, but I liked the solitude when I found myself alone at the top of a frosty peak. One particularly frigid morning, while on a hiking trip through the snow caps, I navigated a trail I was vaguely familiar with. After several hours of walking, I came to a leveled-off patch of land that would be decent for a snack break. But before I could get comfortable, I saw a shape in the distance, coming closer to me. It was a boy, about 15 years old, his face twisted with worry. I felt strange. It wasn't a hungry feeling like normal, more sadness, like I wanted to help him. I cleared my throat. throat) Hey, you lost? He jumped, seeming surprised to see anyone. I broke the confused silence, telling him I knew a way off the mountain. He told me he came up there on a dare. Made sense. It did get dangerous up here, especially at night. 
wolves, bears, and old legends as well. I mumbled the last part hoping he didn't hear it. That's why it was a dare, he continued. One of his friends was native and told him the story of the Wendigo. I felt an unpleasant shiver run through me, up my spine. The hairs on the back of my neck stood on end. I took a breath. Yeah, I've heard of it. Legend told one would become a Wendigo if they commit an act of cannibalism on native ground. If someone did perform the act of eating human flesh, the curse of the Wendigo will be unleashed and you will be taken by the curse. What does it look like? He asked. I told him. On two feet, it rises to heights of seven to ten feet with the head of a deer, a malnourished human-like torso. Their muzzle is one of a wolf with ripped lips and razor fangs. They're even stronger than they appear. It has hoofed, deer-like legs that allow it to run at amazing speeds. Its decaying flesh appears to resemble rotted and torn deer hide. Very repulsive and disgusting creatures. I finish off my description with a look of shame and disgust. We continued down the snow-covered path. He wanted to know how I knew so much. Easy. My grandmother was a medicine woman in her Native American tribe. She would always tell me stories and legends of her people, including the Wendigo. I quickly changed subjects, asking more about the dare. The deal was after midnight, he could take the cable car back down to the bottom of the mountain. It was all because he called the legend of the Wendigo ridiculous. After that, his friend went off about angering the spirits, said he would have to prove himself to them. When the sun went down and the wind picked up, and when I realized how stupid I was, so that's how I ended up in this goddamn wasteland, he explained. This goddamn wasteland is my home. I said curtly. After another hour or so, the sun was completely gone and a large crescent moon took its place in the sky, providing little light for the frosted path before us. The wind started to get a little more wild than before. I turned to the boy and he was noticeably nervous. That's when the wind brought something our way. It was awful, like rotten flesh. Then I saw those glowing yellow eyes standing six feet in the dark forest air. I knew exactly what this nightmare creature was, a wendigo. Before either of us could move, the beast pounced on the boy. It clawed a slash on his face. I'm not one to save others, but when I heard his cries, I felt angry, like hellfire angry. I let out an ear-splitting shriek to get the wendigo's attention. It took one look at me and instantly became threatened. As the boy hid under a boulder, I quickly shed my human skin, revealing my torn flesh and large claws. I started scratching and clawing at my face, the rotted deer head and razor teeth breaking through. My antlers painfully sprouted from my skull and I let out an ear-splitting howl. The creature and I locked eyes, my burning blue to its coppery yellow. This was going to be interesting. I lashed with my claws. It let out a pained yelp and recoiled. Then using its speed, it got around me and with full force, it attached itself on my back. It raked its claws down my arms and dug them deep into my sides. I cried out in pain as it started to tear and rip at my skin. The boy threw stones at the Wendigo to distract it. 
gaining a strong grip on its upper arms. I flipped it and pinned it harshly to the now blood-sprinkled snow and sunk my fang-like teeth into its neck. The beast let out a shriek, half begging for its life. I snapped its neck in my powerful jaws. The vibrations of its ripping bones fled through my teeth. My shrill cry was a reminder to all that these were my woods, my territory, my home. Frightened, the boy stared at me. I slowly skulked down the mountain. I waited for a moment till the boy cautiously followed behind. I led him all the way to the cable car. I looked into his greenish brown eyes. They were cautious, but not afraid. He seemed grateful. Don't worry, I won't tell anyone about you, he said. And with that last promise, he was off and eventually disappeared from sight. I turned back and found the dead Wendigo. I dug a 10-foot deep grave, quickly buried the beast, and stopped to pick up my once again torn flannel, huffing in annoyance. I never minded the snow, or the cold for that matter. I mean, after all, I am a monster. How do you fare in the winter? Do you like the cold weather? Being raised in Florida myself, I've found it difficult to adjust to the colder months. Let me know if you have any tips to stay warm and cozy during this time. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take, whether it's everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality. It can be hard just to know where to start, but now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. The snow can be beautiful, but it can also mask terrible things, such as in this story written by Janine Pipe. I should have known it would end this way. I am trained in search and rescue. I have seen some terrible sights but nothing could have prepared me for that day. We weren't allowed to know the specifics, not why the team was out there, nor what they were searching for. It didn't matter to me. I don't ask hikers for their life story when I'm splinting their broken legs. I don't ask skiers about their jobs when they've gone off site and nearly died of hyperthermia. So this was just another rescue mission to me. We split into teams after we reached their base camp. We checked it out as per protocol, but knew it would be empty. After all, it was their HQ that had alerted us since there had been radio silence from their field team. Again, we'd been given strict instructions to find the team, not poke through the papers lying about in the camp. As if we would. I was teamed with Booker, and together we made off in the direction of one of the outposts used by the team. 
Our husky was fast and strong, and we were soon nearing the cabin. It was silent, the fresh snow blanketing any noise. Booker nodded towards the cabin. The door was open. That was never a good sign. No one would keep a door open out here. We stepped inside cautiously, not sure what we might find. Already, this felt different to every other job I'd been to. I knew nothing good would come of it. But as with the main facility, the cabin was empty, freezing, but no sign of the team. We had one more to check before circling back and hoping one of the other teams had better luck. What do you think is going on? I asked Booker as we drove the sled to the final cabin. He didn't reply, but gave me a look which indicated whatever it was, wasn't good. He felt it too, and apparently so did our husky. He began to growl and get slower the closer we got. He didn't want to be there either. We couldn't coax him to the door. It was easy to see why. The blood had stained the snow and even the fresh fall hadn't completely obscured it from sight and the dog had sure as hell smelt it. This didn't look good for finding survivors, but at least they would be found. We gingerly stepped into the cabin. Oh my God, I cried out. A ton of emotions hitting all at once, the most prevalent being terror. The cabin no longer resembled a remote hub for researchers. It now looked like an abattoir. We were searching for a team of three military scientists. I couldn't be certain due to the carnage, but I could only see two severed heads. Booker looks just as in shock as I do and is about to speak when something charges at him from the dark corner. In all the chaos, our eyes have been glued to the nightmare scene, not looking for the culprit. It's usually white fur was caked in blood and it towered over Booker despite him being at least six feet tall. It was powerful and it was angry. It roared and swiped one ginormous paw at Booker. I just about held in a scream as head number three rolled onto the floor. The Yeti whipped around to look at me. Its eyes glowed and teeth shone with blood. I readied myself for instant death from its razor claws, but instead it rushed at me and used its almighty power to push us through the wooden wall of the cabin. I wondered, just for a moment, if it was going to spare me, and then I realized my fate. As I sank into the pit of icy water, the surface broken by my fall, I saw the last of the military scientists already in there with me. As I simultaneously drowned and froze to death in the icy pit, I knew exactly what had become of us. We were in the Yeti's freezer. Would you want to visit the Himalayas? Would you be brave enough to spend time on the mountains? My family is from Appalachia, and I always loved hiking, but now I'm not so sure. Do you think mysterious beasts are hiding among the snow-covered peaks? The danger in the shape-shifting devil like El Cuco is you never know when it's lurking. Like in this story, inspired by Annabelle. Every night, I take a walk right before bed. It helps me relax and wind down ready for sleep. When I begin, the sun has almost set and only a tinge of light can be seen on the horizon. It takes about 15 minutes to walk through my neighborhood to get to the small city park and back. So I don't bother taking much with me other than my house key. That night though, was freezing. 
an icy breeze on top of the snow. So before leaving, I bundled up in my coat. I know it's important to bring a flashlight when venturing out into the dark, especially if your clothes aren't exactly the most reflective. But since I stick to the sidewalks and don't cross any roads, I felt it wasn't necessary. The scattered lampposts give sufficient light for me to see a good couple of feet in front until I walk back into the shadows and wait to walk under the next one. It never bothered me. I took a deep breath and smiled. Just a few minutes into my walk and I already felt the stress of the day being released. Something about being alone in the vast outside after being cooped up in the busy office lets my body stretch and loosen. As I entered the park, I heard crickets in the grass and the occasional flap of wings from the nocturnal birds. Only that, and the crunch of my own footsteps in the snow, could be heard. Minutes passed, and I rounded the sharp curve that loops back to my house. It's when I turned that I saw something move out of the corner of my eye. Another walker? It startled me at first. I've never seen anyone out on my walks before. But after a moment, I quickly realized that it's completely normal for other people to go out late at night and stroll, and I calmed myself down and retained my leisurely pace. It wasn't until the absence of cricket chirps that I could clearly hear the off-putting footsteps behind me. They sounded rushed, more of a speedwalker but frantic, like the person behind me had some place to be. Just a jogger, probably resting and now starting back up, I thought rationally. I glanced back to get a better look to see who was going to pass me. Strangely, they weren't wearing anything reflective, no orange vest or flashlight. He, I felt it was a man, barely passed through the light from the lamppost and I could just catch a glimpse of a dark jacket and no face. Couldn't be. He must have just been moving so fast his face was blurred. But it spooked me. It was definitely not a jogger or he would have passed me. He was still way behind me, but it looked like he was picking up the pace of his stride. I did the same. My chest tightened, and I regretted not bringing my phone. Home was still some distance, and I was only halfway through the park. Living in a neighborhood full of apartments isn't the best for calling for help if something does happen. I could yell and someone might pop their head out, at most. I prayed it wouldn't come to that. I heard him hurrying, and I followed suit keeping my eyes to the front as I wiped the sweat from my brow. If I keep this up long enough, I'm sure I'll be able to find someone along the path. I knew I was grasping at straws, but I didn't care at the moment. When the sounds of footsteps still behind me, I stole another glance before turning back with a choke. I still couldn't see his face, but he was just a couple of yards behind me now, a constant shadow that neither passed nor caught up beside me. I got out of the park, but a mix of uncertainty and fright kept me from breaking into a run. It was possible I was being paranoid and home was just ahead. I changed direction, out of caution, a different route than usual, weaving in and out the back way. I could finally see if he was, in fact, following me. He doesn't even pause as he keeps to the exact paths I take through the various sidewalks and buildings. Quiet sob escapes. Was this it? Would he follow me home and then mug me? or just kill me when I stopped. He hadn't moved any closer since the park and held a continuous speed remaining behind me by several feet. My nerves were so shaken that I almost yelled out loud for him to stop following me. I was seriously thinking about it, but thank God I saw my apartment. 
I was almost home. Safe. I fumbled for my house key. I was so close to my door. I looked behind me to see how close he was. But he was gone. Just like that, the man following me was gone. I turned to unlock my door and screamed. Standing right in front of me now was the follower. Right there on my front step with a blurry face hidden in a hoodie. I closed my eyes and screamed again. When I opened them, there was no one. Have you ever felt like you were being followed? What would you tell your best friend to do if they were walking alone at night? Leave me a comment if you have any tips on how to protect yourself when you're alone. Before our final story, I just wanted to ask everyone to check out our Something Scary Patreon. We have some great new additions. As a patron, you will get access to our members-only Discord, which means you will get to chat with me. Last week, we put up our first monthly bonus story. You can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcast or weekly video stories, all for only $4.99 a month. Visit patreon.com snarled. In our final story, join my co-host Stephanie as she tells the tale of an Inuit monster that haunts the Arctic, animated over on YouTube. And if you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. People become traumatized by their past experiences, but if you can't remember what those memories are, it might be even more devastating trying to find out. The hunting season was almost over, and the chill of winter had arrived. The huntsman was packing up his gear when he heard a rustling in the woods. He quietly moped deeper into the forest to see if he could make one last kill. He saw brown hair moving slowly between the trees. No doubt, a lone deer snacking on its last meal. The huntsman looked through the sight on his rifle, and he did a double take. That was no animal. It was a boy. Hey, he called through the trees. What are you doing out here? The boy took off further into the woods. The hunter ran after him. What was a child doing out here in the cold? He sped around the bend and grabbed the boy by the collar. The boy yelped. Now that they were face to face, he saw that the boy's eyes were filled with terror. His eyes welled up with tears, which turned to ice the moment they hit his cheeks. Gasping, the hunter realized exactly who the boy was. He had seen that face plastered all over the local newspapers and was posted in every ranger station. He had been missing for almost a year. You're Anique? The huntsman questioned. The boy looked blank. I... I don't know, he whispered. Hours later, the pair arrived back in the nearest town. Anik's family were overjoyed to have their son back. What a wonderful holiday gift, but the authorities needed to know more. After questioning Anik, they realized they were getting nowhere. They asked all the right questions. Did you run off? Were you taken? How did you survive the past year in the Arctic? But the boy shook his head remembering nothing. Everyone was frustrated. They even accused the boy of lying, 
that's when the hunter stepped in again to defend the boy. Everyone stop. His memory is gone. That's what happens when you're abducted by the Ijirak. The officer scoffed. It's just an Inuit urban legend. They're not real. Like hell they're not, the hunter said. He grabbed a pencil and paper and began to draw. It was a gruesome sketch of a creature whose eyes and mouth were sideways. When he held it up, the boy recalled and started to wail. There was no doubt he had seen the beast. As the hunter quickly packed his gear, he explained the Ijirak had been dwelling there in the Arctic from when there were still many rainforests. The home of the Ijirak is said to be cursed, and one will lose their way no matter how skilled or familiar they are with the land. It awaits anyone who passes by the woods, then launches in an attack. It targets children and kills them. The ones who are spared are cast back out into the wilderness, aimless and lost. Their memories are wiped clean. The officer pressed him. How could he possibly know all of that? The huntsman pulled down the collar of his shirt and revealed a deep scar across his body. He was once a boy that the Ijirak tried to kill. Possibly the only one who got away with his memories still intact. Walking through the snow later that day, delirious from lack of sleep, the huntsman called for the creature. I know you're out here. Show yourself. For endless days and freezing nights, he wandered through the woods trying to track the creature. Plagued with flashbacks from when he was a boy, dragged by his hair by the beast as he dug his fingers into the ice to try to stop him, starting to run away, then being tossed at full speed into a tree. Finally, the beast raced toward him at full speed with his sharp antlers piercing the boy's neck, dragging his horns down his chest. Suddenly, a moan startled the hunter from his memories and turned his sight towards the trees. He knew that sound well. He trained the weapon on the direction of the noise and based on its cry, he knew he wounded it. As he crept closer, he saw the unmistakable red eyes looking at him from the ground, the ones that haunted his memory for all those years. He was about to land the fatal blow, but he stopped. His entire existence had been to hunt the enemy. If he killed the beast now, what would be the purpose of his life? Knowing the beast had a scare like his own, he walked confidently out of the woods. He was certain to return the following year, and the year after that. He realized he wasn't there for the kill, but for the thrill of the hunt, even if that meant that Ijirak wandered free, ready to take on another child at any time. This week's podcast stories were edited by Sarah Lukasiewicz, Janine Pipe, and Stephanie Strange. Narration by Blair Bathory and Stephanie Strange. Audio edited and mixed by Fitz Harris. Additional audio editing by Calvin Linderman. Art and graphics by Irma Richardson. Produced by Anna Villalobos. 
Executive produced by Gail Gilman. Music by Sapphire Sindalo and Calvin Linderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarled. And if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com snarled. Until next time, my spooky friends, sweet screams. <laughs>